Most SMBs want to do business with big companies because of the potential or promise of a long-term business relationship, which translates to stable income source. However, as many quickly learn, large enterprises often practice payment terms that can leave businesses hanging onto invoices they can't really use to pay salaries or suppliers. What to do? Invoice factoring, or the practice of selling receivable invoices to a third party at a discount in exchange for getting the cash now, is a legitimate option for businesses that know they cannot rely on the banks or governments to keep them afloat. Now, why should a chief financial officer be interested in invoice factoring is a subject of Pajet for Future CFO's dialogue with Morgan Terigi, co-founder and CEO, Incomeland, an invoice exchange platform for connecting businesses and private funders on a global level. Morgan, welcome to Podcasts for Future CFO. Thanks for having me. Now, if you indulge me, let's start off with that 30-second elevator pitch about IncomeLand. What is IncomeLand? IncomeLand is, um, is a fintech. We are specialized on in receivables financing online with a marketplace approach. We are specializing in receivables that are related to cross-border transactions. So a receivable for a shipment, let's say, from, uh, from India to the U.S. that is on open account basis, we finance that receivable. And it's financed through a marketplace approach where we have multiple investors financing a portion of the entire receivable. What's the difference between invoice factoring, invoice trading, and invoice financing? Well, they all could be the same. So the first point is invoice factoring. What is invoice factoring? It's when a company sells its receivable or its invoice and hands the right of receiving the money, hands down the title to a third party, which would be a financier, for example, income land. So let's say you have someone that is having a $100 receivable. What they are saying is they are selling that receivable at a discount. They cannot wait, say 60, 90, 120 days to get their money. They would come to us and say, I give you my receivable, the right to receive that money for the receivable at a discount, let's say 2% discount. So you pay me, the exporter, $98, and you get the right for $100 on the receivable. This is factoring. In the business of income lend, what is the profile of your customer? So our customers are, obviously, since we're looking at cross-border transactions, they're exporters. They could also be importers. They can be SMEs or large corporates. We have companies that range in terms of turnover from, I would say, $3 million, going all the way up to between $1 and $2 billion of turnover. They could be selling commodities, soft commodities or hard commodities, or they could be doing more retail products, textile, garment, shoes, cosmetics, packaging material. IT, industrial products, maybe uh, in certain cases like chemicals, fertilizers. So how does helping a small business, as you say, who has a receivable, close the so-called finance gap through invoice factoring? Why, why should the CFO care about it? Well, if we're looking at the CFO, and I'm guessing we're looking at the CFO from the buyer's perspective, why should my suppliers benefit from, from something like this? Or, or, or rather, why should I care about this? And how does this impact me? Having enough liquidity in the system enables a company, a small SME, to actually improve its services. It helps them pay their suppliers better, putting more liquidity in the supply chain, and helps them pay their salaries on time. So by doing this, it reduces the quality problems. It improves the delivery time, very simply for someone that's importing. Those are things where they can feel an immediate impact. 
So I guess they'll also be able to survive longer, right? Guaranteed their survival. Ex <laughs> exactly. So if we put it very simply, if you have a supplier or a chain of suppliers that are not sufficiently well financed, and especially in the current situation where banks are pulling the plug and it's getting more and more difficult to get access to bank financing. If these suppliers do not get sufficient access to financing, you could be having as a large retailer quality problems. I mean, you may check as much as you want, but if they don't have enough money to put in the production, there will be quality issues that could trickle down in either non-delivery of goods, disputes with the suppliers or delivery of goods that are not fully compliant and customer issues along the line or delays, which means they could miss certain events in retail when selling products, which is also has financial consequences. You have pools of investors, right? Exactly. Okay. So from that perspective, from an investor point of view, uh, why would the CFO be interested in invoice factoring if at the end of the day, the CFO also has a large uh, treasury part of the business that they have and they have this capital that they're trying to get more value out of? So for, from a CFO's perspective or head of treasury uh, to invest in, in, in these receivables gives access to an alternative asset class. This is at the same time an old asset class and a new asset class. Old asset class because this is traditionally something handled by banks. This is something that is more democratized currently whereby funds and, and treasurers are starting to have access to, to this um, asset class. This is an asset class that fundamentally is not correlated with the financial markets. So this is a huge advantage, especially in situations where there are instabilities. This is something where you can get a very stable return for your money. It doesn't mean you can get what you can get in, in, in uh, stock markets currently, where you could be doing 20% or 30% per month in certain situations, but it gives you a very stable return, again, for some, something that's not correlated to financial markets and for something that's linked to the real economy, because we're looking at a shipment going from one country to another. It could be a container of rice, garments, it's very easy to understand. Given the lack of regulation in the on the invoice factoring space, how risky is investing in invoice factoring and how do you manage the risk from the perspective of both in in the case of the the people selling you their invoices and also from the perspective that the cfo who's uh, investing into invoice factoring as a you know uh, as i say uh, a different uh, asset class so i think there would be two folds to this one of the elements of reply would be it depends on the business model and the setup of the platform that makes it risky or non-risky. How to protect the investors fundamentally? This is one question and it's really related to a due diligence aspect of things that CFOs would have to look into. But when it comes to the quality of the assets, we are in a time when technology is more and more important. And I think this is where technology plays a large role. This is something that is not related to the compliance and licensing requirements or non-licensing requirements. But the technology used in the screening of the assets and the access to information is the screening of the customers and then the screening of the receivables is what makes the receivables more safe or less safe, depending on situation. So, for example, if you have something that is a business model that is re relying purely on paper documentation, this is something that would be more risky. If you're looking at a business model, a platform whereby the entire documentation would be initiated and managed through the platform, you're having something that is safer because you have more visibility on how the documents were made and if the documents are right or wrong and having access to and able to put technology to manage automatically the quality of these assets through artificial intelligence or other tools.
How do you see the competitive landscape for income land and where are the pockets of opportunities since you say you primarily deal in cross-border? The cross-border market, if we look just, I mean, for us, we focus a lot of attention on marine shipments. If we look at marine shipments, the goods that are on the water during every year, we're looking at anywhere between 14 to $17 trillion worth of goods. What is relevant to the, the factoring market size is probably around three to four trillion dollars. We're looking at something that is huge. When we started Income Land five years ago, we had very, very limited competition. And this was actually an issue because there was a lack of education of the market. Now we're in a situation five years later where there has been more education, where that uh, enabled the customers to be more aware that such solutions exist when they're not having access to bank financing. The competition has grown. That being said, considering the size of the market, this is something where the market is so large that you could, you're in a significant pool where where you could be having two large whales never coming across one another. So the competition, we don't really feel it directly, but we feel it in a positive way through the education of the market. Then again, there are different business models. More and more platforms are looking at this cross-border receivables or invoice factoring business side. So is it fair to say that your biggest challenge and opportunity remains more on the awareness side? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What about this, uh, the more traditional way of financing these, this global trade, especially cross-border trade, the old letters of credit, is there still a future for that form of a payment or transaction? Indeed, it's a very good question because this is something that, this is a tool that I've used for many, many years when I was trading. I think it's a very good tool, but that being said, for decades, nothing has changed around letters of credit. Letters of credit operate differently from open account in a sense that we're getting a bank guarantee as the underlying payment guarantee. I think there are a lot of things that can be changing. This is something we're actually addressing with a, a sister company of Income Land, LC Light, by looking at ways to simplify and digitize the entire process, the entire letters of credit. But the letters of credit are really still something that will be sticking around because we're looking at something that's complementary with the open account. When you have an open account transaction, it means I am shipping goods out. I am selling to a customer, not necessarily cross-border. It can be on a domestic basis. And my buyer will pay me at 30 to 120 days, maybe more. It means I need to trust my buyer. There is no guarantee that I will get paid. A letter of credit operates differently. With a letter of credit, you get a guarantee. You do not trust your buyer, hence you ask for a guarantee through a bank agreement. Their banks will provide your bank a contract that will give you certain terms. If you comply with these terms, you would get paid not by your customer, but by its bank. So you usually in trade, you use both tools. So I think letters of credit or the equivalent of a letter of credit, if it mutates in the future, and it will, will stick around. And speaking of trust, and from a due diligence perspective, in, in a way to protect, I guess, the marketplace, do technologies like blockchain have a practical use in invoice factoring? So from my perspective, uh, or Income Land's perspective, there are two applications. Um, one that can be directly usable in a platform, which is having all documents on the platform. Uh, meaning no documents going out, identifying all changes of the on the documentation and having all documents signed onto the platform directly without having any emails going out with certain digital signature providers that we have on the market currently. So this is one very good application because one of the issues currently in various industries 
industries, not just the um, receivables financing industry, is really having too many emails and emails linked to cybersecurity issues. This is one very concrete application for the blockchain. A second one could be a means of communication between systems, a means of communication to check certain information without providing too much information. So for example, if we were, I don't think this is a possible good application, but this is an application that's going around in the industry, people wanting to check if a given receivable has been financed or not. You could be, you could be imagining that there's platform A, platform B, and there's a customer in between asking for financing through platform A. Platform A would provide financing on the receivable. And if this same customer went to platform B asking for financing for that same receivable, platform B would have its blockchain communicate with platform A blockchain to see if that receivable was financed or not. That would be a way to prevent multiple financing on a single transaction, which is something that we've seen a lot last year, a lot of uh, issues uh, in the market uh, around that. That is, a, that is perceived as a potential application. I don't think it's necessarily the right one, but this is to give an example that systems could communicate through the platform in a pretty much binary way. And the platform B would be asking, is that receivable finance or not? Without asking more information in terms of rates, who is financing and so forth, which is not relevant, but it's just wanting to know if it's finance or not. So this is a second potential application, not necessarily for receivable, it could be seen for other documentation, but these are the two very concrete applications in, uh, in invoice factoring that I see. Any tips can, that you can provide for CFOs when one, reviewing suppliers uh, that rely on invoice factoring to manage their finances, or maybe CFOs shouldn't care about that anyway, it's none of their business. The other one is uh, when considering invoice factoring as an investment instrument. When considering receivables as an investment instrument, I think, like I was mentioning, this is a very good way of building a very diversified portfolio, especially in, in cross-border transactions where you can go from multiple industries, multiple jurisdictions, something that is not correlated to financial markets. I think in the current scheme of things, with the COVID still being around, we will see more instabilities. More instabilities means there will be high returns, but there will be also high losses. For someone wanting, especially someone managing treasury, definitely having stability is something that is more appealing. Uh, I would assume, for a, a relatively good return. From an exporter's perspective, what I would say for using this to, to sell is receivable, especially when the business model is on non-recourse basis, meaning there is no, it's off balance sheet financing. It's an excellent way of improving one's balance sheet because it's always better to finance its receivables on non-recourse basis and improving the debt EBITDA ratio for when that same company wants to have access to additional bank financing. Any predictions or forecasts or your thoughts for what invoice factoring will look like in Asia and maybe even around the world since you're cross-border for 2021? We're seeing a lot of potential for this year. We're seeing things that are stabilizing following last year. I think we're entering the year 2021 very differently from 2020. Last year, everyone was caught by surprise. I think this year will still be overall a year where there will be difficulties. But unlike last year, everyone is aware of that. We're aware that the virus is still around and it can create some instabilities. And this is in itself, it's a major advantage compared to last year because we come prepared. So I think with more stability, there will be more transactions. There will be a growing awareness, and we've seen it over the past month, of the importance of digitized solutions, things that are less traditional and require more online management. Morgan, thank you very much for joining me on Podchats for Future CFO. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. 
That was Morgan Trigi, co-founder and CEO of IncomeLend, sharing with us his perspective on the value of invoice factoring to the CFO, both from the perspective of a payer to suppliers and as part of the treasury side of the company looking at alternative investment opportunities. You are listening in to Podchats for Future CFO. Do send us your ideas on topics you'd like us to cover by emailing us at editors at society.com or message us via our LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook accounts. As always, stay safe, have a great one, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CFO. Bye for now.